Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Bobby Moore as a Jeff Hurst. The trailer broken and Billy Bones. A Paolo Gagano. West Ham United. We celebrate our victories. We stick together. Good evening, good morning, or good afternoon. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast. Reluctant podcast. Now, is it season 10 or is it season 11? I know. I never ten. know when the swap over is. Yeah, because this, this is the fag end. I think when, when they announce the fixtures, that's when it goes to 11. Okay, I'll take your lead on that. <laughs> um, we are back. Uh, the Booches are on their holidays. They might come back. Uh, They're always on their the holidays. I know. I mean, all the time you say, oh, George is um, looking after baby. I mean, can you not speak into a microphone while you've got a baby in your hands or something? Yeah, I know. I know. And it's his podcast, remember? Yeah, yeah I know. Direction um, of duty. Nigel on his sabbatical. Uh, we don't know what that means at the moment, but uh, it means... It means he's pissed off with you and doesn't <laughs> want to do the podcast. That's what it means. Yeah, he's pissed off with me as well because he's not doing his column during the uh, summer he's either. He's pissed off with the lot of you. Yeah, yeah there a, you go. He, he doesn't mind talking to me. <laughs> uh, but as the saying goes, when the cat's away, the mice do play. So there's no two-hour podcast tonight. Ian's got his dinner. I've got a hot tub party oh in an hour's time. So, uh, well, it's been a that's, nice hot day, That Ian. sounds a bit perverted. Well, you know. Bit of champagne and strawberries. <laughs> is this a, <laughs> is this a naked podcast? A naked um, hot tub. It's party. not a naked podcast. And I mean, no. thankfully, I, I will. Not be now. Having... We got the cameras. It's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Isn't it funny when you see people? Because Len, you and I haven't met before. No. And you don't look a bit like I thought you would from your. No. Voice. There you go. That's <laughs> that's the idea. To be honest, Ian. Yeah. We, we we are we we could see each other doing this podcast today, but just to be clear, we're not broadcasting the video. So so Jay's anonymity will um will remain. Yeah, other than the fact you just said me fucking name. You <laughs> oh, <laughs> other than I just said your name. 
But hey, <laughs> it's not that much of a secret. Sorry, Len, Len. Anyway, uh, it is a football podcast. We're going to talk about some football. Although, there's not really a lot of football to talk about because, you know, Bye we've then. already done the end of season review. Um, nothing's really happening in the transfer market. You know, we're still finding 20 stories a day on Clarence Hugh, obviously, because, you know. Yeah, because you, you're greedy. <laughs> you know, it's a normal silly season. You know, he's got his, he's got 85 million what he wants to spend. He's about to sign a three-year deal, two-year. This is David Moyes, a two-year uh, with a one-year extension. He's about to go on his holidays to Scotland. We've had the pre-season fixtures announced. Uh, six hammers away in for their Euros. I mean, what more do you want? Agent uh, Suchek has been uh, tapping up Alex Crow. Is it Crow? I don't know. I don't get involved, really. Oh. I don't, is there I, I don't do the transfer tittle-tattle. Well, what is, are we going to talk about for the next we really hour, There's nothing well, else to talk about. I, I'm is there any West Ham news respond. that you want to ask me about or we yeah. want to talk about before what, we get to the, the hell, main event? What the hell was that article on Clarence Hill about, about David Moyes, that poll? That was a good poll. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, right, there's a there's a method in our madness, right? We do like a, a poll, Clarence Hugh. And the poll was... David Robert, Moyes, Robert Le- is Lewandowski. He the, <laughs> is he the right <laughs> long-term manager for West Ham? Now, we did expect but what everybody was the, what, to say Sean, yes. what is the point of a poll like that? Yeah, that's what it, I want to know. Let me, let me tell you. The point Please of the don't. poll like that is a noisy minority, i.e. people like... Cox, who who shout long and hard that Moyes is not a great manager and we need a better manager, etc. But a poll like this shows, apart from it being a slow news day because it's a bank holiday, shows that he's he's very much in the minority. In fact, two percent of people. We didn't need to poll to work that (laughs) out. Well, there you go. There you go. You didn't have to fill it in. Why are we talking about it? Well, we've covered it. You can move on. David Moore, by the way, just just for clarity, because I've had quite a few prominent people ask me today, did David Sullivan ask you to run that poll? No, he did not. If he had, had, you wouldn't have said so. (laughs) He didn't know. (laughs) Sorry, I I feel as if I have to step in Nigel's shoes at this point. Oh, well, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) You do that, Ian. (laughs) So the the cats uh, the cats away a mice play and I thought I was going to have a complete freedom to do anything <laughs> I want. No, but, oh no! Oh show. no! Well, he's got a substitute in in Ian. Are you going to suddenly be all GSB yeah, out and you, what, the you, what you have to remember, Sean, is that normally at this time of the evening I'm on the radio holding people to account. And I feel that that's Nigel's role in this podcast, holding you to account. Yeah. So I feel it's only fair that I do a bit of that tonight. <laughs> well so, but done. Bus, busman's, well holi- done busman's holiday. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Well, we're going to turn the tables on you because we're going to ask you some questions tonight, Ian. Are you? Okay. You, you've heard of a propaganda, yeah? By the, by the way, um, you've been a shit host tonight, Sean, because you haven't actually introduced Len and me. Yeah, oh, that and, is true. That is and true. That, and I there may, there may be oh, some it? people out there who've never heard of either. All right, yeah, well, they're going to know yeah. a bit more about you in a minute. And so while we're at it, you don't have the, you know, you don't have the rights to say this is a propaganda. I and said hang on, to hang you, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me finish. I didn't finish, Len. <laughs> right, let me finish. First of all, good evening, Len. Where are you, <laughs> and what are you doing? 
Don't you worry about that. I mean, I mean, you can see where I am for a start. I'm in the lounge doing the podcast with you. Okay. And secondly, uh, Ian, where are you? AKA the Shed Man Two. Where are you? What are you doing? I'm in my shed. Really? Are you really? No. no. I'm in my sitting say. room in um, my house in Lammas, which is a village about nine miles north of Norwich. Nice. It looks nice. very nice, Ian. You Up can't see of it. All you can no, see is my window. S- that's what looks nice about it. <laughs> I ain't got a window. <laughs> there's, there's, I can see someone in, outside. In your, in your cell. <laughs> I can yeah. see someone outside the window with crab nets. I beg your pardon? Are they crab nets? No, they're not crab nets. No. Long time since I've had crabs. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Apologies for not introducing you. Ian, so as as Len said, I'm not allowed to do propaganda for legal reasons. Uh, Apparently the name is is, is copyrighted by... Plus, if you use propaganda, I'm allowed to ask the listeners some questions. That was the deal. Agreed, so I'm not going to do a propaganda. I'm going to do a proper butcher's hook. Oh, all right. Butcher's hook at Ian. Yep. Ian, you, you asked Nigel some questions on your, your podcast. Yep. You're one of 15 podcasts. <laughs> um, so we wanted tonight to for, for the listeners to have a butcher's hook at you oh and, and find out what makes you West Ham. We're going to do this. This is going to be the first of many. We're going to ask each of our eight listeners, uh, maybe there's even more, what makes them West Ham over the summer. So... I do know some of this, but play along, Ian. Okay. So, um, I'm not going to ask you if you're an in-towner or out-of-towner. That's what they do on propaganda. He's an out-of-towner. <laughs> I can't First of all, let's it. start off. <laughs> Born in Canning Town, yeah, Ian? Born in uh, Cambridge. Cambridge. Yeah. So, how does... Dad was a West Ham fan then? Dad was a Blackpool fan. Dad was a Mum Blackpool was a West Ham fan. fan. Mum, well, mum became a West Ham fan because I supported West Ham. He, dad was a Blackpool fan because in the 1940s, I mean, he was born in 1929. So in the 1940s, Blackpool were the Manchester United of their day. And he went to the 1948 Cup final, I think. And I remember in 1974, when I would have been uh, 11, uh, he took me to Wembley for the first time, and I think that was the first time he'd been back since 1948. We saw England play Argentina. It was a 2-2 draw. Mario Kempis scored twice. I think Mick Shannon and Frank Worthington scored for us. And um, I mean, for an 11-year-old kid going to Wembley for the first time, it was just an, an amazing experience. So there was a whole um, busload of us went from my village, because I, I lived in a little village called Ashton, which is near Saffron Walden. Um, it's at the posh bit of it. <laughs> Yeah. And um, I went to the local village is school. Is there a posh part of Essex? There really you is. You have to be like that. Yeah, not sure. <laughs> um, and I, I'm, and this is actually how I first met Nigel when he had a real go at me because I admitted that as a ten-year-old, I supported Manchester United, as did a lot of people in Essex in, in those days. But then they got relegated, and. I don't know. I always say that it's the who, shame who of supporting relegated? Manchester United. Man United. I always Did say it was the shame of supporting a relegated team that made me switch. But I, I'm not sure. I think that may be a false memory. Because I remember going to see West Ham play Cambridge United in a testimonial. And I think this was in 1972. And that was before Manchester United got relegated. So yeah. I wonder whether I've got false memory syndrome over this. I, d- I don't know. 
Um, but my best friend at the time, Roger Sizer, he he supported West Ham. His dad was a printer in the East End, and but he commuted into London every day. And I was very easily led as a child, still am to a certain extent. And so I then started supporting West Ham and um, have never looked back since. I mean, how, how I don't regret not supporting Manchester United anymore. What was his name, your best friend? Roger Sizer. Are you still in touch with him? Is he still a West Ham fan? I see him. Yeah, no, absolutely. I see him from time to time. Because where, where I grew up, actually, most of my friends at primary school were generally Chelsea or Tottenham supporters. I don't remember anybody apart from Roger who was a West Ham supporter. So maybe I felt sorry for him and he, he needed someone to help him out. I don't know. And then my, my first game was at Upton Park in March 1975. And it was against Chelsea. And my uncle lived uh, in Epping at the, at the time. He managed um, the local big sort of farming estate. And so we went on the tube. And I remember walking up Green Street from the tube station and it was like a war zone. There were literally <laughs> fights going on all over the place. And like a very innocent young kid from from Saffron Walden. I'd never seen anything like this before. And it was quite exciting. And so Alan Kerbishley made his debut on that day. and we Really? Stood, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, w I remember the headline on the back page of the Daily Express, which we always used to get every day, and it, it was the, the next Trevor Brooking. That uh, that yeah. was the headline, or something something like that. Yeah. Um, and we lost one nil, and we stood on the corner of the West Stand and the North Bank, and I, I'll always remember that because it was really, I mean, the the crowd would you'd get carried along with the crowd. You couldn't sort of it was all very tightly packed. I mean, you yeah. never have that nowadays, obviously. Um, and and I just remember being so excited by it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think my dad had been to, apart from going to that Wembley game, I don't think he'd been to a match for, well, since the 1940s, 1950s. So that's sort of how I came to support West Ham. Did did your dad end up West, sort of supporting West Ham by proxy or not? No. Um, I mean, he wasn't... I mean, he would always watch any football that was on, but he was never really... I'd, the only time... I don't think... I, I took him to West Ham um, 2014, 2015, I think it was. And um, we got a seat in seats in the director's box, somewhere you're very familiar with, obviously, Sean. And, um, <laughs> never been there. And I, I remember getting... Because I'd... I built up a bit of a rapport with Jill. I don't know if you know Jill. She she works for David Sullivan, does all the sort of match day stuff. And hey, I just You're talking to Sean at this point. Obviously, <laughs> I don't know Jill. And I and I just emailed. I said, "Look, my dad's what would he have been then? Eighty-two or something, and not particularly nimble on his legs. Um, any chance?" And she said, "Oh, absolutely." And I remember we met. Um, I think we met Anna Valencia, Billy Bonds, and it, it was a great day. But the the my main memory of my dad and West Ham was when I took him to the playoff final in 2012 against Blackpool, oh. which I would I know I'm going to tear up when I talk about this because don't take much, does it? Ian? It it's really doesn't. Up. No, you are <laughs> absolutely right on that. But it it was one. My mum was dying in hospital at the time, and. Uh, I want, really wondered whether we should go, but there were mm. I think there were six of us that went. Um, There's a friend of mine from the village who also supported West Ham, and um, another Blackpool supporter, a friend of my dad's. And we got. I thought, well, I'll hire a car to take us up there because I thought, well, I have no idea where I would park. So uh, my sister sorted it out, 
and this bloody Skoda arrives. And I was thinking, well, couldn't we do a bit better than that? So, and this guy had no clue where he was going. So he dropped us off in the car park. And I was thinking, I don't think Dad's going to be able to walk up that far. And then we got, we encountered one of these Jobsworth security people who made us walk like about a quarter of a mile further than we actually needed to because we could have just gone through a door if it let us. And then we had all the sort of pre-match meal and it was like I I became the parent and he became the child. And I can't remember what we had to eat, but my, da- my dad was always a fussy eater. He said, oh, I'm not eating that foreign muck. And I said, you'll bloody sit there until you've finished. <laughs> and, and I just remember we were up... Um, it was sort of a, kind of quite high up uh, by one of the corner flags, and it was a, it was a great atmosphere. And uh, I can't remember whether we were in the West Ham or Blackpool bits, to be honest. Uh, but we all just had the most fantastic time, and I've got some fantastic photos of it. And I remember when when we scored, when Blackpool scored, I took some pictures of my dad and his mate. And I mean, they weren't. I mean, they were Blackpool fans, but they were just enjoying the day. And yeah. Um, we, we, yeah, it was just one of those great days. Sam Ann of Dice's finest moment for West Ham. Ricardo, that's Tay's finest moment, I think, or Carlton Coles. Um, and, I mean, it wasn't a great match. I, I, Sean, honestly, is so unprofessional. Terrible. I know. I mean, imagine if I did that I, when I was on the air. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, this is this is just amateur hour. I, I do apologise <laughs> for that. Leave, leaving on my phone is just um, just awful. Ian, you've bypassed some significant moments in West Ham's history there, though. Was there anything else that you experienced? Not well, necessarily in the stadium, but... Well, I didn't go much in the 1980s. Because um, right. I was at university in Norwich for, what, 1980 through to 85. And a year then in Germany. And then I moved to London and was working in Parliament and I don't know why I didn't go then I, I, I still there are all sorts of things in your youth that you think well why didn't mm. I do that when I lived in yeah. Germany I had a car why didn't I travel more than I did it's yeah. ridiculous um, and I, I went a few times I remember taking my old economics teacher from school who was a Middlesbrough fan and I took him sometime in the 1980s but I can't really remember when I, I didn't go to any of the boys of 86 games and it was only really towards the end of the 1980s that I started going because I, I, I was working for the British Ports Federation doing all their PR. And the guy that I used to do all the printing, he was a West Ham season ticket holder, John Parry. And um, oh, John. He, yeah, <laughs> you know him. And yeah, I um, do. he effectively took me as co- the, the corporate hospitality. And I would go to quite a few games. And then. Um, I can't, I'm trying to remember any of the sort of... I, I can't really remember any of the games, if I'm honest. I mean, it wasn't a particularly brilliant time, uh, that period. And then in 1991, I was living in Walthamstow, and I thought, well, it's only just down the road. Why don't I get a season ticket? Why I hadn't thought of that before, I do not know. So I got a season ticket, and I've had and one ever since. What year was that? 1991. It was just okay. before we got promoted. Yeah, was it the promo- was I think it was the and promotion was season. What what stand? East stand in the upper tier, about eight rows back, and we 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 were there till the end of the decade when they they shifted us all over to the west stand, which I I didn't want to go because you know what it's like when you sit with the same people you don't know them. 
but that no. you, you get to know them. You do. And there yeah, were some real yeah. characters around us. There was one guy we just referred to as Shouting Boy because he would just <laughs> uh, he, he would just shout the whole time. Yeah. And um, it was just a great place to watch the game from. And I really enjoyed it over there. And then we got moved to about, uh, I think, five rows from the front of the West Stand, which I didn't like at all. And then we managed to go about 10 rows behind that. And that was where we stayed uh, right through to, to the bitter end. And there was, a, there was a group of five or six of us. I think at, at one stage there was a dozen of us that used to have season tickets. And we all knew each other. Um, and I used to go with Joe Phillips, who was a producer at Five Live. Um, and she, for some reason, had become a West Ham fan. I mean, she, was, she would admit that she was sort of a Johnny-come-lately football fan. Um, but as the 90s wore on, you got quite a lot of people who got interested in football that, that weren't before. But all of that group has completely gone now. Um, and that, to me, has taken a bit of the enjoyment out of it because I quite liked... Well, there's a guy called Nicky Spindler who, um, one of his claims to fame was he, he wrote one of our Eurovision <laughs> entries. And he and his son would would sit in front of us. And then there was a guy that was um, chief executive of Monarch Airlines who was a friend of John Parry's, who I'd play golf with, him and John, sometimes. Um, he then moved to, I think, somewhere in East Kent and then just didn't... I think kind of lost interest at, at one point and he now lives in Spain so all of these people that I used to go to football with in the 90s and sort of the early part of uh, the, this century um, they've all sort of gone now um, and I do regret that and I've got two season tickets and I'd like to take somebody else because I mean football okay you can go on your own and enjoy it but it's not the same is it you want to you want to have a different. shared experience? Does John, does John never go with you? Is oh he, my is God! Is he not a football person? When, when John and I first met in 1995, um, I took him to I think about a dozen games, and at that point, um, I would sometimes sit in the upper Bobby Moore, right at the back, and yeah. I remember he'd either complain that it was cold, or about all the swearing. <laughs> And knowing him as I know him now, I'm astonished that he ever went to a single game because the word football in our house is usually preceded by the word fucking or bloody. Mm. Um, the, other, the other night, I was watching the Champions League final, three minutes to the end, and he says, your dinner's ready. And he, he sort of came in to sit down and have his dinner and wanted to watch Casualty. I said, no, there's only three minutes to go. He said, yeah, I know what your three minutes are like. So he sort of goes off to the kitchen and admittedly there was about 10 minutes of injury time. Um, but yeah, he's not into football. In when fact, was the last West Ham sport. game that you managed to get him to? Oh, it would have been in 1995. Oh. <laughs> I mean, another friend of mine, an American friend, um, Daniel Forrester, he came to live in London for six months and uh, he absolutely loved it. And he, he would do that sort of um, come on you irons thing in an American accent, which never quite sounds right, does it? It always no, seems, a bit, seems a bit false. And, How about um, your podcast? Sorry, go on. Uh, and my, my producer at LBC, Robbie, who's a Hull City fan, um, who told me about Jared Bowen months before we signed him. Um, he, when, whenever West Ham are playing, he'll just, he keeps going, you irons! And I said, no, it's come on you irons! <laughs> they can never <laughs> quite get it right. How about your podcast wife, Jackie Smith? Is, is, has she been to a West Ham game? 
No, she and I were going to go to the final game of last season because that was going to be West Ham Villa and I was going to take uh, take her there. But um, obviously that didn't happen because of the pandemic. Um, she's a mad Aston Villa fan. She used to be a season oh, ticket holder. Oh, yeah. No, she's really into her football. And her new man is a, is a Manchester United supporter. Um, oh dear! So, sorry yeah, to hear I know. That. I, I, know. I, I did sympathise with her, um, but no, she she and she knows quite a lot about football actually, and so she will come next season, I'm sure. Good, good. So um, let's talk about you founded um, West Ham till I die. What what was that? Were you were you bored and got nothing to do? I can't remember what year it was founded. I think it was 2007. Um, the reason I did it was we played Fulham at home and lost 1-0 in the last minute. But at least that's how I remember it. Somebody's now going to go back and check the stats. Nigel would know this <laughs> if he were here, of course. <laughs> he won't be listening. Don't worry. That, that's my, that's my memory. Um, and I remember walking out of the ground. Um, I just reached the exit and there was this massive six foot five guy ranting about Sullivan and Gold and making some really anti-Semitic remarks about them. And I was really tempted to give him some back, but as he was six foot five and I'm six foot two, I thought possibly not a good idea. But I'm slightly ashamed of myself that I didn't. Because I did, when we were in the East End, um, there was a guy two rows in front who wasn't a season ticket holder. And I can't remember what the game was or who we were playing, but he started giving a black player, not one of ours, but one of the opposition black players, some really racist stick. And everyone sort of was looking nervously around them because it just was the type of stuff you wouldn't accept. And I thought, nobody's doing anything about this. So, of course, idiot that I am. Because I, I was two seats above him, so I stood up, and I am, I am quite tall. And I just said, oi. And he turned round. And I just said, shut it. <laughs> In my most aggressive non-camp way. And, it, and, and, and to be fair, he, he did. Uh, and sort of everyone else was sort of silently mouthing to me, well done, mate. Um, and that's the only two times that I've ever experienced anything of, like that at Upton Park. I've never seen it at all. No, but, strange, but we have this it? reputation, don't we, as being the most, apart from Millwall, the most racist club in the country. And I genuinely don't think we are. But th those were two occasions in what nearly 30 years, or actually 30 years of going to West Ham games. So anyway, back to the story of the blog. So I remember I was really angry, not only about the fact that we'd lost in the, in the last minute, but also this guy. And I remember driving home to, to Tunbridge Wells and I was driving like an absolute lunatic. I was like literally banging the steering wheel because I was still so angry. And I thought, I've got to sound off about this. And I'd already been doing a political blog. So I just that evening started doing a um, West Ham blog. And I remember putting a message on the uh, KUMB message board saying I started a blog. And then by midnight, I'd already got a thousand views. I thought, wow. well, well, that's quite good. I'm surprised the moderators didn't delete your message. <laughs> it was before. Yeah, they didn't know me at that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so off I went and I started doing two or three things a day. And I did it all myself at the beginning. Um, and then it's been through various incarnations since then. But that's how it started. You've always resisted uh, advertising. I know you yeah. just relaunched it. Uh, and, and you have said to me, privately or publicly, oh, I'm going to give it all up 
from point to point when something <laughs> happens. What what keeps you going on it? Because you know it's you're a busy man, aren't you? You you do so many podcasts. You're on the TV. You're on the radio. What, what you d- on the outside? You don't have time to run a West Ham blog. That there was a point when I thought I can't do this anymore because my political blog. I was doing five or six posts a day on that, and I mean, that got serious numbers. I, I was getting. Um, I mean, bear in mind, obviously, fewer people are interested in politics and sport. I was getting more uh, readers every day than The Independent was. You might think that's not a very high bar. Um, But that was taking a lot of time. And then when I started at LBC, because I used to do a lot of the blogging in the evening. And then when I got the evening show on LBC in 2010, something had to give. So I gave up the political blog. And I thought, I'm not going to give up whilst until I die. But I stopped I, I I stopped writing as much and then I recruited a whole list of people to write for it as well and um, that's how it runs now really I don't uh, it's funny in the summer I probably write more than I do during the season because obviously a lot of people like Nigel and um, a few of the others they, they think well there's nothing to write about in the summer so yeah. so um, I, I tend to do more Um and I, I would like to do well when we relaunched it with the new design um, a few months ago. I did start writing a lot more, and I wanted to keep it up. But I mean, there are only so many hours in the day, and um, yeah. so I, I, I know that. I, well, quite. And I know it, should I ever retire, which is I probably never will. But if I did, I quite look forward to doing a lot more football writing because I, I quite enjoy it. Yeah, you were talking about your political blog. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember who who was your um, opposite number. Is it Guido Fawkes? Is well, he still going? Yeah, there was Guido Fawkes and Conservative Guido. Home. There, there was three of us that I suppose were the first movers in political blogging. When you're the first mover in anything, you have an inbuilt advantage. So that was kind of, though I had done political commentary on the media before that, that was what kind of made me reasonably well known because I'd get invited onto Sky News and all the other programs, Five Live, LBC, whatever, to, to do some punditry. Um, yeah. and, and the blog was actually quite vital to that. And I used to break a lot of stories. I mean, Guido Fawkes is obviously a very gossipy blog. Mine slightly, I mean, it was a bit, but less so. I, <laughs> I didn't. gossipy? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I didn't do a lot of the, well, I say I didn't do a lot of the scandal mongering. I mean, I was the one that broke the news about Charles Kennedy that he was going to quit and start john prescott's affair with tracy temple i got some inside knowledge on that and so there was a bit of that but it wasn't ever on the level of guido Fawkes. you didn't you didn't break the uh, john major and Ed, edwina curry no but there was a story quite about worked that. that one out at the there time. was a story about that this was back in 2001 and i remember when i first heard about it i was just gobsmacked and it was during the conservative party conference and i used to run the bookshop at all the di- all the three party conferences and at the Tory party conference, Anne Widdicombe was the star attraction. She'd written various novels, and they were actually very successful. And we used to sell hundreds of these, and she would literally come up to the stand at a preordained time, and she would be like an East End Barrow boy, sort of shout, sh- just shouting for people to come and sign the book. So anyway, unbeknown to her, when the Edwina Curry book arrived at the stand, I started piling them up beside her novels. She eventually cottoned on to what I was doing, and she would she would just shout out at people about her own novels, very clean novels, and then point to Edwina's book, very dirty diaries. And I <laughs> I sold five hundred of Anne Widdicombe's book and three of Edwina Curry's. 
Mm, In fact, Edwina, Edwina Curry is um, my next guest on the podcast that I interviewed Nigel oh, for. So he's in, good, ah, he's in, he's in good company. Um, John Major. Yeah, she long time ago, I used to work for John Major when I worked for the Treasury. That's another oh, story. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah well, up, it was my upper, upper, upper boss. You know, I didn't report directly to him. But when I worked for the Treasury, he was I the junior I, minister. Well, I didn't know you um, worked for the Treasury, Sean. You oh, no, there you go. That I have lots of secrets. Talking <laughs> about, used to uh, traverse the halls of power uh, as a lobbyist, I think, and uh, etc. Do you come in contact with a lot of... Is there a lot of West Ham fans in Westminster? I think West Ham is the most supported team. If you put the all the political journalists together and all the MPs together, I think you'd <laughs> get more West Ham fans than most other clubs. Um, particularly, I would say 10 or 15 years ago, virtually every political editor in the political lobby was a West Ham fan. Simon, wow. Simon Walters on the Mail on Sunday. Well, you know Lee, Lee Clayton, obviously. And yep. there were loads and loads of Peter O'Born is another one I can think of. Um, there were loads and loads of them. And MPs as well. You've got um, uh, Tony McNulty was, um, Alex Shellbrook is. And there, there were quite a few others whose names don't immediately come to mind. But West Ham is well represented in Parliament. And the lobbyists as well, are they sort of, or are they a bit more rugby people? Yeah, I mean, I don't... <laughs> I haven't really been in the world of political lobbying since um, the mid-90s. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. To be honest, so I uh, can't really enlighten you on that one. Let, let's talk about your publishing career because not only did you... I think you had a, a political bookshop and publishers. I can't remember. Politico, was it? Yeah, which I've actually um, revived as an online shop now. Have so. you? You don't own it anymore, do you? I do. I do. Yeah. Oh, you do. I bought, I, I bought it, or sort of bought it back. So, because when I when I pub, I had a book out last year called "Why Can't We All Just Get Along," all about the state yeah. of public discourse. 
And um, people kept asking me, why can I get a signed copy? And I thought, well, that's a good question. I don't know. So I just created a little one-page shop. And I got, like, literally hundreds of orders. And then I thought, well, I've got all of this stock from the old shop, mugs and greetings cards and political knickers and stuff with very tasteful slogans on the front like things oh, I can have only, seen this. things yeah. can only get wetter and a hand up not a hand <laughs> oh, out yeah for the many not the few um things like that um and so i thought well I'll, I'll put them on as well and they all started to sell and this was easy 100 i mean free money really because i'd already got them i hadn't got to pay for them and then it got to the point where i thought well, this is all a bit amateurish let's get a proper shop design so the guy that designed west ham till i die he's now designed politicos.co.uk so I've russell russell and so yeah. i and believe it or not because if i hadn't got anything else to do i fulfill all the orders myself no <laughs> oh yeah really? so, I, so i get home from lbc at like eleven thirty at night and then i start packing up books and mugs and knickers <laughs> i think that's good <laughs> it's quite, thera- like it's quite no, therapeutic actually but people yeah. like it they, they've they ordered a book that I mean if, if it's one of my books obviously they want them signed so and there's a thing where you can say you can have a personalised message and I yeah. think people like that I mean before if I tell I like you that. The, that book I sold 1500 copies of in hardback and the Prime Minister's book that came out in November I've done about 1300 of those and I mean that's a £25 hardback which yeah. you wouldn't normally expect to sell that quantity so I'll probably earn more from doing that than I will from the royalties on the books. Not more That's... than LBC, though. No, that is very true. <laughs> that is the best you, you... best paid job I've ever had and ever is likely it? to have. Yeah. Oh, good luck. You, you've, um, <laughs> you've published a number of West Ham books. I don't know yep. how many. I'm sure you can tell us. Is that a vanity project? Do you make any money out of publishing well, West Ham books? I, it's very rare that I would ever take on a book that I didn't think would sell enough just to wash its face. When you're in political publishing, which is predominantly what I was, you know that you're not going to sell 10,000 copies of a book, or you hope you might. Um, But we had structured our company, so if we sold a couple of thousand, it would either break even or make a bit of a profit. So I, and obviously being a West Ham supporter, I was quite interested in what, what former West Ham players would do. Uh, or people involved in the club. So I, I did Jeremy Nicholas's book, which oh, I yeah, thought I was a fantastic book, and that sold really well. Um, this was right in the early days, 2010, 2011, I think. It was after he'd got fired. Um, yeah. I was talking to Carlton Cole about doing his autobiography, and I was going to ghost his autobiography, um, but that never came to anything. Um, who else? I, I, I did do... A book which I didn't publish, but Haynes Publishing did, um, West Ham When Football Was Football. And it was kind of a coffee table book. Um, yeah. Lots of pictures from the Mirror archives. And uh, it's only about 25,000 words. That was a fact. I loved doing that. And then they that did quite well. And they said, do you want to do another one? And I thought, well, it's a bit different, different doing it about a club that you're not affiliated to. But I thought, OK, well, I'll, I'll do Norwich City because they're my second team for obvious reasons. Um, so I did that one as well. And actually, I, I I enjoyed doing that slightly more in a way because I really had to do the research on that far yeah, more that, than I, I did I, for I West Ham. Get into that, yeah. I, believe it or not, they then stopped the series uh, around that time because I, I was then going to do it Switch Town, which uh, well, <laughs> probably wouldn't have gone down well yeah. with the Norwich fans. But there we are. I think I met you after you were doing a book signing outside Newham uh, Bookshop yeah. on that one, and I met you yeah. for the first time. Even though I've been, I started blogging for you in I don't know. 2013 or something 
2000. Yeah, I think I'd... you should come back and go respectable again. Yeah, I know you do say that. I yeah. did say to you, I did say to you, because my name's still on the uh, o on your website, and I I do come in and upset the natives every now and then. I did say I would try to uh, write for you at least once a month, didn't I? That was yeah, that was at which, the beginning. Which you of the haven't year. done. <laughs> well, I've probably written written two. Well, if you fancy doing anything over the summer, you'd be very welcome to. <laughs> yeah, since Nigel is on his sabbatical, yeah, I will quite. do. I'll do that. Um. Right, uh, Len, next question. Next question, well, well, it's actually to you, Sean. Oh, go uh, on. Ian, Ian mentioned, you know, uh, writing for other, uh, for another club, and now he found it exciting. Would, would you consider doing that? Because a lot of the fans <laughs> wish that you would. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wondered if he, you, do know, you know. what? Let me show you. Let me, let me tell you a story. Right. Is it a Go funny on. one, though, Sean? Sure. That's a bit what we want to know. So, after our success, Hugh you and I... You had success? Well, you know, from advertising in Clarence U, we started... We had this idea that we could we could redo the same for a number of other clubs, well-supported clubs. So, we thought we could do it for Arsenal. We thought we could do it for Spurs, Man United, <laughs> Chelsea... And we created some uh, Twitter accounts, and when we started to recruit some journalists, and uh, we were we were hiring sort of ex, you know, tabloid people that had uh, fallen on hard luck, um, and and weren't working anymore, and and yeah. I sort of gave them each a, a club, but do you know what, it didn't work. You know, the what we've got at West Ham is very unique. Yeah. The access we've got is very unique. You know, <clears throat> and I would find it, if I'm honest, I, I, I tried to look at it, you know, I would find it really difficult writing, even if it was for money, you know, and it was well paid for the advertising. I find it difficult writing about Arsenal mm. or Spurs or Chelsea. Uh, and funny enough, um, Sam Incasol, who some of you may know, who writes for Football London, left West Ham to write for Chelsea. And he, and he got to contacted me recently and said it's a lot harder to get information out of Chelsea. You know? Oh, there you go. Their ball don't talk. You know, there's not a lot of leaks from the club. So, you know, I, I why believe did, Why did he unique. do that? Sorry? Why did he do that? I thought he, he, he thought the grass was greener on the other side, Ian. Well, um, that'll yeah. learn him. And yeah. uh, in came Tom Clark, who's who's now who, who I get on very well. Who's who's now the football London guy, and uh, you know he he's now the the person in the press box. But um, I don't know. I f I think the time of journalists leading stories and this whole pre-match press conference is very old hat now. Most people read information not from papers but from from social media now, mm. and uh, and I, I think it's here to stay. But to answer your question, no, I, I don't think I would have the same passion or the same. Um, it's a bit like um, there are rumours that I've I've heard that Dominic Cummings might go and work for Keir Starmer. And you think, <laughs> well, how can that possibly be? And it's exactly the same kind of thing because in the end, um, we are part of a tribe. And yes, yeah. The thing is that people who aren't part of a tribe never quite understand. And even though I mean, I'm not a member of the Tory party anymore, haven't been for 11 years now. 
I will still always be sort of slightly attached to that tribe, or people will always think I am, even if I'm not. I still criti- I criticise them a lot. But, I mean, if it comes to it, um, I would always vote for them rather than vote for the other lot. And just as I would always yeah. support West Ham, I couldn't... I mean, if, I often wonder if West Ham went out of business, which, let's face it, we weren't that far away from doing 10 years ago or so, um, be- be- before the owners saved us, you mean? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, sure. No, sir, they did though. You can't argue with that, Len. That is a, that is a fact. We were not that far from going out of business. Yeah, but that's that. I mean, they weren't the only ones that could have done that. But well, maybe yeah. But they were there and they did do it. Um, I, I I often think, could I ever support? And if West Ham weren't there, could I support another team to, like I ha- have supported West Ham? And I came to the conclusion that. I would probably then go to a lower league team like Gillingham. Yeah. Because I, 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 I used to go to Gillingham a lot in the 80s. Would. And do you know what, Ian and Sean? I think a lot of these... I often wonder, a lot of these GSB outers, that suddenly I don't seem... I don't seem as much GSB out as I thought I was, first of all. I wonder how much of them... If, if they honestly had a quiet word to themselves, do they really have an issue with modern football and would they be happier not supporting another team I'm not being that I wouldn't be that cruel but would they be happier would a lot of people be happier supporting grassroots not just the GSB outers I don't mean that really but a lot of people I wondered if they as a footballing experience I wonder if they wonder well, I wonder if they prefer to do grassroots. That, that is a really interesting question. Um, my MP in Tunbridge Wells, Greg Clark, who was, was a cabinet minister, he's a Middlesbrough fan. Um, he comes from up there. And he, he's he got a 10-year-old... Well, at that point, he got a 10-year-old son, and he wanted his son to experience football. Yeah. Um, and they came to West Ham a couple of times, and then they went to Crystal Palace a couple of times. And then, lo and behold, he'd got them both a, a Crystal Palace season ticket. Yeah. And I said, well, what'd you do that for? Well, much more interesting to support in West Ham than Crystal Palace. He said, well, it's just like an old ground, and I just wanted him to see what it's like yeah. in a ground like that. Anyway, he then said to me, do you want to come and see West Ham Crystal Palace? Um, I don't know when this was, a couple of years ago now. So we went along to Selhurst Park. I got the train from Tunbridge Wells, went all through various weird stations. And um, we went into the ground, and I thought, I'm sure this is where the ultras sit. And lo and behold, and, and I sat down, and I was thinking, this is definitely where they sit. And I was thinking, oh my God, if they see me, because I mean, bear in mind, yeah. South London is like my manner in terms of LBC. Yeah. Um, and this guy walked up to me, he goes, don't worry, mate, I'll look after you. I was, I was thinking, Jesus Christ. Anyway, we go two up. I'm sitting on my hands because I do have a... So if, if I'm at an away game and we score, I do have a tendency to disgrace myself. And um, so we go two nil up and I'm thinking, this is just fantastic. And uh, they were getting really knocked off, the Palace fans. And they started doing these really obscene chants. Well, I say really obscene. They were sort of quite aggressive chants. And there we have the Secretary of State for Business and Energy and whatever else it is, standing up with his 10-year-old son, going on, shouting out all of these chants. 
And I thought, your colleagues around the cabinet table would never believe this. And I, I really wanted to video it to prove that it had happened. But uh, it, it was quite, quite something. Good luck to him. Exactly. I, I sometimes watch um, the Tanners. Uh, I, I'm, I, I've got a, a place in Leatherhead. So um, um, I, don't, I think I said on the podcast recently, uh, Jimmy Bullard was... Um, Oh yeah, uh, the manager there, and and his son Archie. He's gone completely in. grey, hasn't he? Yeah, his son Archie. He lives just down the road from us here in Surrey. Um, when he moved to Leatherhead, and his son goes to my son's right. school. They're, they're they're good friends. So. Uh, I should have said the point of that story was not to talk about Crystal Palace. It was t- mm. just before lockdown. Greg said he, he said, you know, I go and watch um, Tunbridge Wells play now, yeah. and it's really good. And I said, yeah, yeah. yeah. with what? Yeah. Two, I'm wondering. Two men, wondering two men now. and a dog are there. He said, no, no, no. Yeah. There's several hundred people, and it's a really good atmosphere. So um, when we we're out of yeah. all of this, I said I'd go with him. I'm yeah. wondering if the if your personal match day experience should necessarily be your major team now. Maybe a lot of people would enjoy it, especially after the breakdown and have been watching it, watching yeah. more TV football. Well, I said a I moment ago, I, uh, my best friend in the 80s at UEA came from Mepham and he we used to go to Gillingham. He was a mad Gillingham supporter, still is. And we would, I must have been to, I don't know, about 20 matches at Gillingham somewhere in the sort of early to mid 80s. Um, I saw Steve Bruce break his leg just about six feet away from me and the crack it resonated round the stadium and the whole place just went quiet. Um, mm. And they had some fantastic players at that point. And I just remember the atmosphere was so different to anything that I'd ever seen before. And Ron Hilliard in goal, Tony Cascarino, Mickey Adams, um, who else? can't remember. But there, there were loads of what players. What about Townsend? Was he there? Not, I don't think he was there at that point. Might have been, but I don't, I don't remember him. I, I remember Mickey Adams... And bizarrely, I went on to publish his autobiography. Um, there you go. He, he was a brilliant player, I thought. Um, now, bring, bring it back to West Ham. I don't know if you heard, but um, Mark Noble has said when he retires next year, he's going to go back to grassroots football. He yeah. said that a few of his uh, mates still play on Sunday and he's going to... Well, Joe Cole play. does, doesn't he? he, he does he? He, d- he has a Sunday League team, yeah. He's jo- y- Joe Cole disappointed me at the Champions League, Ian. He disappointed say. a lot of people. <laughs> what did he's he do? Be- well, he's pretended to be a West Ham fan and that he cares about the club, but he showed his true colours. I mean, I don't know if you saw the video did when they? he jumped up and celebrated. And he said... he. He talked about his two sons have been brought up Chelsea fans. They really love Chelsea. And then he talked about something like he was chairman of supporters club or whatever. And I know he's a, a youth coach there. Uh, but the way he jumped up, he just, I mean, I don't mind if he is a Chelsea fan. But don't try and pretend something else. Don't try and, well, you know, be Billy Two Ways and try and have it that he can... What base is the comparison that they got, though, really? Yeah, but is, is, if he's a... Chelsea fan, just say he's a Chelsea fan. No, don't he, try and pretend he, he to be is, West Ham. He doesn't no, need to. I, I don't agree with you. I, I don't know if you listen to his podcast that he does with Tom Davis. Um, I don't. To play no. for. Well, I reckon, apart from this one, that is the best football podcast out there. I listen to it every week. And okay. they, you honestly, try it out. Because when I first started listening to it, I thought, Joe is somebody who he tries to speak so fast that sometimes he can't quite get his words out. But he has developed, so I think, as a, a, into a first-class pundit. And he, get, he gets all of his mates on as guests, like one per episode. 
like David. Ch- I mean, they're mostly ex West Ham or Chelsea or Liverpool oh, players. Uh, and the things that he gets out of them, I mean, he's a brilliant interviewer because they don't realise they're spilling the beans. Whereas in all of these normal football interviews, they just are so vanilla. You you don't hear anything interesting. Believe mm. me on this, you, you want to give it a try. Listen to the one with Trevor Sinclair or David James or um, who who's that? Oh, what's his name? Play for Aston Villa and Everton, um, England player, Gareth Barry. Um, oh. All of them, he... Jens Lehmann, um, I mean, every single one, it's the most brilliant listen. And Joe talks a, a lot about, most of the podcasts are actually about his own career as well. So, because Tom okay. Davis obviously w- wants to quiz him too. And uh, he is an absolute West Ham fan. But I, is if he? Play, yeah, is he? If, yes, absolutely. If you've played for a club, I don't, I mean, he, he slags off Liverpool a lot because he had a really bad time there. But he had a really yeah, good time at Chelsea. He did a great time with Chelsea, Ian, no, to be fair. He did. He won lots of things with Chelsea. Yeah, but he wasn't... I don't I don't recall him being that happy. Well, um, he, he comes across I, I don't, as you know that for sure, remembering his time at Chelsea very fondly. So well, I, retrospectively. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a surprise at all that he would jump out of his chair when Chelsea scored in the, in the Champions League at all. Well, what's he going to do? I mean... He's obviously going to support them rather than Manchester City. Yeah, now, yeah, I get that. I suppose it was the the talk of being the chairman and and uh, and he's bringing his sons up to be Chelsea fans. Rather than no, fans no, but he's talked well, about, he's talked about that as well. And he he said he didn't actually. One of them isn't a Chelsea fan. One is, but he he said I think he did say that he wanted them to be West Ham, but for whatever. Oh, reason, really? Or well, I might have to been. take a bit of it back then. Yeah, it's it's strange, Sean. Let me just give you a glimpse of how time passes because I was actually taking a note of when Joe Cole played for us from right. now is the same time as the boys of 86 yeah. to us winning the European Cup Winners' Cup. Now that's a long, if you look at the length of time between since Joe's played for us one nothing, didn't play for, you know what, play for three seasons four, max, four, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. yeah. All right, it, but you know, but when he talks about his time at West Ham, you can tell the affection in his voice, he, the enthusiasm. He's I agree. He, yeah. he, he is completely, and I yeah. think I'm right in saying that he grew he grew up in Kentish Town, and I think he was is he was an Arsenal, Arsenal fan. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he's had an interesting time in a, in a way. But the stories that he has from his career, whether it's in America, whether it's Aston Villa, Coventry. It is just fascinating. You would love that podcast, Sean. I can, I can absolutely assure you. I, w- I will. I will give it a listen when I finish. I'm, I'm a bit behind on price of football <laughs> with Kieran Maguire. I oh, see. I, I can't get into that. I've tried. Yeah, I, I have tried to listen so to that. Many stories. The, the other one, which you might want to. Um, I don't know why I'm advertising lots of other podcasts, but quickly, Kevin, right. do you listen to that? No. It's all about football in the 90s, and it's um, Chris Skull, formerly of the Cum, Cum oh, Podcast. Oh, I know Chris, yeah. And um, um, what's his name? Josh Widdicombe and some other guy that I don't know. And they do about sort of 20 minutes of banter at the beginning. Then they have a guest on. And again, it's, they're all footballers or managers from the 90s. They had Harry Redknapp on the other day, and I thought I'd heard all of Harry Redknapp's stories before. But yeah. that, was, that was really good. They had um, uh, Ian Dowie, they had him on. Um, but that that's a good listen. Good. Well, today we've only got an hour, so we're sort of running out of time because 
uh, moving to the new software, our first trial only lasts an hour, so that's a really good reason to keep it under an hour, which is why <laughs> there's no questions and why I can get oh, I was looking forward to questions. Ian, Fa- what's for Facebook, dinner tonight, Twitter Ian? Question. What's, what's uh, sausage, sausage platt. Oh. Sausage what? Platt. Oh, you mean like a Cumberland ring, that kind of thing? I think it's all, yeah, it's all in pastry. Oh, oh okay. Not toad in the hole. Decent. Not toad in the hole. I do like a toad in the hole, it has to be said. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, Favourite uh, past West Ham player, Ian? Paolo Di Canio. Oh. Current um, West Ham player. That's a really difficult one. Um, I will say... Jared Bowen. Oh, because I, I think he, hmm. of all of our players last season, I think he's the most underrated. He has a yeah. tremendous work rate. Uh, he can he knows where the goal is. And um, I just love his attitude. Um, yeah. But I mean, frankly, and I think you'll probably both agree with me, there wasn't a weak link last season. Was no. There? I mean, no. All, and they've all got good attitudes. Yeah. And when, when Craig Dawson came into the side, I thought, oh, my God, are we really reduced to this? Then, of course, he was brilliant, although he tailed off a bit at the end, it has to be said. But virtually every player performed, even those that, I mean, like Lanzini, who was always one of my favourite players. I mean, he when he came on towards the end of the season, you thought, oh, he's going to do something. And I, I I hope we keep him because I think he's still got the potential to really do well. But well, certainly as a squad player, and particularly as we're in Europe, but I suspect he might be yeah. off. Um, last time you went to the uh, watch West Ham in in person, um, March the eighth, twenty seventeen, or did I what? go to that one? No, not twenty seventeen. What am I talking about? Twenty twenty. Um, it was. Did, was it? it uh, I thought it was the, the last match was the 29th of February. Well, what, that was what, my last one before. There, there was no. I think there was one. No, I think that I did go to that one. It was. It was the one that's against Southampton. Yeah, I did go to that, and then there was another one which I didn't go to after that because I, I I could see then there what was, was there coming. There was the Manchester United one for 2000. Now, Ian, I am going to pull your task on something. You were offered a ticket. Or, or yeah. you after in the second ballot of returns. Yeah. Why didn't you go? Well, I'd already arranged to go to Norfolk that weekend, and I thought, well, I haven't been to any matches this season. I'm not going to miss one more. And I just, I felt that it would be really weird with only ten thousand people there. Yeah. Um, now, as it, it turned out, I I didn't go to Norfolk because LBC <laughs> wanted me to cover a show on the Saturday morning, so I could have gone, and I oh. slightly kicked myself in a way. Yeah. Um, but if I had gone, maybe we wouldn't have won. So. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Um, last question. How much of each day do you either think or do something about West Ham? Of your waking day? Um, quite a lot, because I, I do look at all the different websites every day. Um, you do? Well, yeah. I, I don't... I mean, Claret and Hugh, I do... Because I, I get their alerts coming up on my screen, mainly because I, no, I can't work out how to stop them coming up. No. <laughs> You so get a new phone or but, something. I mean, I the I'm sorry, but the adverts on that site here. I know I've said this to you many times, Sean. Are so off-putting. I don't mind advertising, but not when they keep sort of coming up and then you can't see what's behind them, no. and it is really off-putting. So I I don't look at Clarence here as much as I used to. 
Um, and I, I, I don't listen to the other podcasts. Um, I occasionally might listen to Stop Hammer Time, um, but I haven't listened to any of the others. Well, so where do you I, get I mean, your West Ham news from then? Well, I, I usually look at news now and then click on the different things from yeah, there. But I've blo- I blocked a lot of the site. I cannot stand it when these all these different West Ham sites, they put very misleading headlines. Sort of West Ham fans so excited about this new midfielder. It's just oh. clickbait. And, yeah. I mean, and you do that as well quite a lot. Much more yeah, than yeah you he used does to. do that. And I just think, well... So any site that does that too much now, I just block on news now. So I'm only I mean, down there to are about rules eight or for nine. News now, you have to you have to tread the line quite carefully, as you will know yourself, Ian. Do I? Have you had well? Have you had a, a warning from news now no. or not? I probably never. No. <laughs> Sounds no. like you have, Sean. <laughs> One or two. One or two. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've had a right butcher's hook, not a proper butcher's hook. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're interested, if you're interested, if you're one of the eight listeners and you want us to, to quiz you as we've quizzed Ian over the summer, if there's no transfer news or there's no other news, you know, we will talk about the years, etc. Why don't you drop us a line? Sorry there was no questions. Um, but we we might change that next time. Len and myself will be around for the summer. Whatever happens, Len and myself will be around. Uh, we're, but we're going to encourage some guest support uh, presenters in. Ian, when he's available, will pop in from time to time. Um, but we're about running out of time. Uh, anything you want to say, Ian, before we we sign off for the week? No, much enjoyed it. I didn't realise I was going to get a grilling, but um, I thought we'd be talking about transfer targets and whatever. Yeah. But well, I didn't prepare um, anything, so we sort of had a little pre, or uh, you know, pre uh, on air. Uh, no, I mean, look, I, I love, I love what you do on this podcast because, and, and I genuinely listen to every single episode because I now drive into London every day rather than go on the train. Oh, do you? For, for obvious reasons. Um, well, because I'm type two diabetic, so I still f- think it's better not to. And um, so yeah. I've got like an hour and a quarter each way. So um, that fills up at least one and a half days of my, of my driving. <laughs> yeah. Not um, this uh, week, but you won't need not, to listen Not to this, this week, no. But it's, no, I just think it's a, it's a really good thing to do. And I think people like effectively eavesdropping on a conversation yeah. down the pub. And that's what it, that's, that's, that's yeah. all about. That's what we always designed it to be in. As you yeah. know, that's what it's a chat of West Ham people down the pub. Len, without using your real name again at the beginning... Uh, you got anything to say to our listeners? Well, we haven't. No, had, we haven't, enjoyed it today. We, we haven't had a Brady out from Len, which Brady oh. out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's Ian's. We haven't, Brady. have we? No, it was quite nice. Not see to talk see about what, the see what my influence is, Len. I never knew yeah. I had so much. Anyway, yeah. I've been Sean. Ian's been um, gagging for his dinner. Len's been um. A little bit sunburned, I think. Yeah, you, you are actually, a bit look, sunburned. You are a bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't realise. Yeah. I mean, every, uh, it's getting darker, but my face is staying the same colour. Yeah. Anyway. Come on, you iron. Come on, you iron. More than just a podcast. Bobby Moore. More than just a podcast.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.